you have your Bible, you can turn to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians 1, we've been going through chapter 1, specifically looking at Jesus, because all the scripture is about Jesus, but Colossians 1 does such an excellent job of showing us exactly who Jesus is that we've been calling this section Jesus 101. These are important things that every believer should know. Every member of Unity Church, I believe, should know. So if somebody ever asks you, who is Jesus, you can rattle off these things. Not like it's a test, but because they're important. It's important to know these things about Jesus. I know it's a little bit different meeting out here. Uh, it's, it's a little bit different. Uh, over in the sanctuary, we've got everything taped up. Uh, there's plastic everywhere. We couldn't even get in the office, really, to get copies made for the bulletin and all that. Uh, but i got to tell you, I, I had gone over there. I was cutting through plastic, don't tell. I cut through some plastic and got into the office, and I came back out. And everything's plastic off. I mean, you can't get to... To, 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 to doors, you can't get to this, but I found one hole in the plastic. As I looked around the plastic, there was no places except for one place that there was a hole. And that's right where the candy table is. <laughs> now, I don't know which one of you needs to confess this morning. <laughs> but I sat there, I thought, somebody ripped into that, you know, there's going to be a big paint spot right there right now by the Tootsie Rolls. And I thought, I wonder who did that. I reached in and took my five Tootsie Rolls and left. <laughs> Somebody's going to be at the altar confessing by the end of this sermon. Or the candy they stole the whole day made. But it's good to get to know Jesus. He's being so good to us. We've seen so far that it talks about how Jesus was fully God and fully man. He wasn't just part man. He wasn't just part God. He's fully God, fully man. And that he was before all things. He's always existed. He always will exist. We've seen how he made everything. It was all made by him and for him. We've seen as well that he holds all things together by the power of his word. That's just absolutely incredible. In the last week, in the last couple of weeks, we saw how he's the head of the church. He's the head of the church. And so he's in complete command. And today we're going to continue on in that, seeing how he is in charge of all things. We're not doing the first part of the verse. We did that last week. And so this week will be Colossians chapter 1, verse 18b. Verse 18b. I'll read from the beginning just so we know where we're at though. Verse 18 it says, And he is the head of the body, the church. And now our next part, it says this. He, that's Jesus, is the beginning. The first word from the dead. That in everything he might be preeminent. Okay, I'm going to read that last part again. He is the beginning. The firstborn from the dead. That in everything he might be preeminent. At the start of that, when we say he is the beginning, it might seem like we're kind of talking the same way we did before when we said he is before all things, that he's always existed and he will always exist. And certainly enough, there is part of that in the word beginning. At times that word in the scriptures are used about being in the beginning as a time function. But what's interesting when it's usually applied to a person, when it talks about that word beginning, another word is usually used in the English translations for that word when it concerns a person. And it's this. When they are the ruler. When they are the ruler. So in fact, there's other portions like in Ephesians chapter 1, it talks about that use of the word ruler. It's the same word that's here. So when it's talking about the beginning, he not only is somebody who was the first and he caused and created all things, but also in being the beginning... He is the first of all rulers. Amen. 
There is no one else like him. He is the, uh, the, the greatest, the most supreme ruler in the entire universe. In Ephesians chapter 1, it, it, it echoes this. It's kind of a sister book that was written about the same time. It says this. That the Father raised Him from the dead and seated Him at His right hand in the heavenly places. Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion. And above every name that is named. Not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And He put... All things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church. That is very clear saying that Jesus was put on high at the right hand of the Father. That he is above all other rulers, authorities, powers, and dominions. That everything else is below Jesus' feet. Amen. He is the ruler of rulers, the King of kings, and the Lord of lords. He is the beginning. Another word we might use for that is this. We might use the word principle. Right? He is the principle. If you were to go to the school, there are lots of people in charge. There's teachers in charge. There's librarians in charge. There's vice principals in charge. But when you go to a school, who's the one in charge? The principal. Jesus made other rulers. There's other people who have authoritative places. He's put them in charge. But when it comes to the principle, Jesus is the principle. He's the beginning. Now I know it's when you have a domain, a principle is important. I remember I went over to the Four Oaks Elementary School one day. It was, it was time for pickup. And I parked the car. And I was walking across the parking lot. And I was probably a little late because I was cutting through. And so I cut across. And I was going across the main drive area. And I was going right to where you sign up to sign your kids out. And I said, hey, sir. And I looked up, and it was the principal, Miss <laughs> Kathy Parrish. And I said, yes, ma'am, I didn't know her that well then. I don't think she knew me except for one thing. She knew I hadn't used the crosswalk. She said, sir, if you wouldn't mind, we're trying to teach the kids safety and especially use the crosswalk so we can keep every, everything safe. If you wouldn't mind, the principal told me, would you please use the crosswalk? She was kind. She was, she was concerned with safety, not only of myself, but of kids. And the principal came and said, would you please? Well, you know what? I, I could have tried to pull rank on her, right? They said, well, I'm a father. I could have used one of my authoritative places in life. I could have said, you know what? I'm a local pastor. I think I, think I know if a car is coming, I can control myself. I have authority. But you know what? I'm a father and I'm a pastor. And I'm probably a lot of other things. But one thing I'm not, I am not the principal at Four Oaks Elementary School. The principal came to me and said, no, no, no. In my territory, in my domain, because I'm the principal, here's the rule. I need you to follow this. And as, as a guest on that property, it was for me to say, okay. And I think I've gone through the crosswalk every time since that day. <laughs> The principal's in charge of that place. And when this says, he is the beginning, that means Jesus is the principal. He's not just the principal on the property of this church. He's not just the principal in the Bible belt. Amen. He's the principal of the entire universe because God the Father said, he is the beginning. Amen. He sits at my right hand. I put everything under him. He is in absolute control. He's in control of this church. That's why we say everything Jesus. I'm not the senior pastor. He is. Amen. 
None of us are the principal of this place or anywhere else. It's just Jesus. So in the same way I can't go to Miss Kathy Parrish and try to pull rank on her, there is no one or no thing in all the universe that can stand before Jesus and pull rank on him. <laughs> well, yeah, but Jesus, I'm a, I'm a dad. I know better than you. No, he, he knows better. Amen. Well, I'm a pastor too, Jesus. No, Nobody can pull rank on Jesus because he's the tops. But it also said this, that not only is he the beginning, it also said that he is the firstborn from the dead. And we cover this at Easter time, so I'm not going to go a lot over it. If you want an expansion on this, you can go back and get our Easter sermon on the website or get a CD or DVD sometime. But when it talks about him being firstborn from the dead and you look at the history of the Bible, he wasn't the first person to actually resurrect. By the power of God on multiple occasions, either a prophet or Jesus himself stood by the bedside of a person of somebody who died and said, arise. And they rose up. But what we marked out as different was the fact that those people who had been raised up once also died again. Jesus, it says, when he was put into the tomb, that three days later he came to life because death can't hold him. He has power over death and the resurrection he had that day wasn't one that was temporary. It was eternal. And what he does then is he goes and he gives the gospel this powerful message about he went and died for people on their behalf so that he would take their death and give to them his life. And he redeems, he buys us out of the debt of our sin and pulls us into his resurrection. We have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but he has given me life. It's not I who live, but he who lives in me. And so because He resurrected for all of eternity, He was the firstborn from the dead so that He could come to all of us and give us an eternal resurrection. He is the firstborn from the dead. And if you have said, Jesus, forgive me, and you're a saved individual, you may be the secondborn, thirdborn, or the millionthborn. It doesn't matter at that point. You are born from the dead on the day Jesus returns because He's the firstborn from the dead. He has power over death so He can say over your dead body, Arise. There is no other world leader, there is no other power, there is no other person in all of history that can come to you and say, Arise. And by their power make you live. All other spiritual religious leaders, you can go to their grave and they're still buried there. Buddha, Muhammad, everybody. But there is one who can stand over your grave, who is already alive and say, Come out of there. He'll call you by name and you will resurrect. It's because he's the firstborn from the dead. His name is Jesus. And he will one day, if you're redeemed in him, he will call your name. And you will live forever because he was the firstborn from the dead. Calling to you who were dead, live. Live. And that's a good thing. Because it says that not only then is he the beginning, he's the principle, he's the rule of rulers. And not only is he the firstborn from the dead, but the last part of that verse said this. That in everything, he might be preeminent. Does somebody want to take a stab at defining preeminent? Preeminent is the tops. We already covered some of these words. The most supreme. He is the best. And so let me give you a little quiz in this room right now. We talk about preeminence. We can talk about that in different categories. So let me ask you, we're just going to take a little quiz. Um, what is the preeminent 
country singer on the planet. Dead or alive? Come on now. I'm not a country fan, so I need your help on this one. Who's the preeminent country singer? What would you say? George Strait. George Strait? I don't even know all these names. What's that? Alan Jackson. You've got two people now preeminent. That doesn't work. You can only have one preeminent. Any other? Any other? All right. Let me ask you another question. What is the preeminent Eastern Carolina barbecue restaurant? Now, I know there's going to be some opinions on this. Country music. You know, we all know that's from Satan. So we're not going to touch that. <laughs> Carolina barbecue. We've got some opinions here. I know it. So what? Parker's? Okay, Parker's Barbecue. Any others? Come on now. Stevenson's. Stevenson's? You're a big Stevenson fan? Alright. That's good. Any others? Dale Woods. Dale, Alright. He's got some fans. Some people think Dale Woods preeminent. Uh, <laughs> any other barbecue takers? Bees. Who's that? Bees. Bees? Alright. Alright. Any others? How about this? Oh, you got Smithfield. Let's just leave it alone. We got country singers and we got barbecue and we could throw out names and have arguments and those are fun ones. But the, the reality is when we have those conversations about country singers and, and barbecue restaurants, a lot of people gave opinions. You can go around to people and say, your opinion is that the preeminent country singer is George Strait. Somebody's going to come fight you on that one because that's all opinion. You go to barbecue, some people love Dale's, some people love Stevenson's, Parker's, uh, Smithfield's. You got, but those are all opinions, right? And it, it's according to a lot of our own likes and dislikes and preferences. And that's fine when you're talking about barbecue and country music. But when it comes to the preeminent one in all the universe. It's not a time for opinion. There's, there's not a time to look around the room and say, who else can we put up as preeminent opposed to Jesus? People may come with opinions and people may actually say, no, I don't, I don't think he is. I think maybe I am or maybe this leader or maybe this uh, person who's done a lot of good deeds. And somebody might put up other people who, who they think are preeminent, but when it comes to it actually is preeminent, the scripture says that because he's the beginning and because he's the first one from the dead, that in everything Jesus might be preeminent. There's no opinions there. It just is. We may have an opinion and say, well, I think something else or I think someone else is preeminent, but we would be wrong. Because nothing else and no one else in all the world has power over death. Amen. Nothing else and no one else sits at the right hand of the Father with everything else underneath His feet because He is the principal. He is the preeminent. And so we have here with Jesus that He is the first. He's the principal. He has the first as the firstborn from the dead. He's the first as being the one who's preeminent. Now let me ask you something. Is, does He have that place of first in your life? Because we all nod when we read the scripture that, yeah, that's right. I've heard an amen several times at a den. And maybe others saying, yeah, that's right. But when it comes to being the first in your life, have you given him that first place? 
Consider the way we do prayer requests. I've got to admit something to you. When I often pray for things, the reason I'm finally coming to pray for things is because when the situation or the circumstance or the relationship or the task or whatever it is that I'm dealing with happened, I tried to do it on my own. And I worked with it. I, I went after it. I worked with all my might and went after it. And it went on. And you know what? It just kind of fell apart. And so when it comes to the end, then I give the prayer request to Jesus. I gave him the scraps. That doesn't sound like he's first at that moment, does it? You know, at our house, we'll eat a great meal. Katie's a great chef, cook, mother, provider for yummy food. And so we'll sit, we'll have hamburgers, or we'll have, you know, grilled chicken, or and we'll have all the sides and the desserts, and we'll have all these things, and we get done, and, and you know what, I like to clean my plate, and the kids do too, but there's stuff left over there. And while we're eating, we got this furry, shaggy little dog named Honey. And Honey will be weaving in and out of our legs during the meal, and she knows what's coming because when we're done with the meal, we, we take our plates, we maybe scrape it off, and maybe things left over on the counter, and we, we take all the scraps and we give it to our dog. Scraps are meant for dogs. When it comes to our life, scraps are not meant for Jesus. Think about all that's been said with how preeminent it is that he's the principle that he overcame death and he so loved you with all of his grace and mercy, he pursued you to the uttermost to save you out of your wretchedness and your pitiful state and to bring you in love to himself and he cares for you and he has us in this moment where we can look to him and say, now Jesus, I give you everything. And the reality is I look at him a lot of times and I say, Jesus, here are my scraps. Here are my leftovers. I'll just give you the end of my day, or I'll give you a few sentences before every meal. For the one who's been talked about as preeminent, are, are we addressing him and approaching him and living in him as the preeminence, as the one on top, as the one who sits right next to the Father who said, if you would just pray in my name, I'll care for everything in your life. We even deal with sin this way. You have sin that's going on in your life and you recognize it's a problem. It's day by day by day by day by day. And you say, don't worry about it, Jesus. I'm working on it. And I'll bring myself to you when I've got it together. And Jesus says, no, you'll, you'll never make it. I overcame death. Can't I help you overcome your sin? Yeah. And so in those moments, we should come to him and say, I'm a, I'm a broken man. I don't have a way around this in my own strength, just with having other people who are around me. I can, I can easily thwart the system and still keep sinning. I don't have the strength. And what God wants us to do in our simple, habitual things is just say, I'm a broken person. Would you please help me? I, I can't overcome this. We sing that song, Just As I Am, I Come, right? But a lot of times we actually live as, just with the leftovers, with my own strength, I come. And the Lord says, you can't do that. You don't have it in you. 
But he does. He's the preeminent. He overcame death. And now he sits as the principal. Not waiting just to scold you about a crosswalk. But to say, I'm here with you. I'm right here with you. I wasn't just with you that day at the altar when you asked for forgiveness. I'm with you every day. Now come to me with everything. And as you come, it's an opportunity. As you respond to Jesus in that, what it is is worship. He asks it for not just to be a few songs during church, but to be every part of your life. And as we close today, we're going to repeat kind of what we did last week. Where we're just going to close and worship God. And those are moments with as loud as you want to sing or as much, as much effort and passion as you want to sing, you give, you give that whole singing moment to God. But don't let that be the moment that you just say, well, yeah, that was when I worshiped. Let that be like the moment when you, when you untap the bottle of soda and you just keep pouring the rest of the week, right? You un- worship is like when you uncork it and you, you go for it the rest of the week. The rest of your week is just living in that same place of worship, responding to Jesus, trusting Him in everything that you do. So in your heart right now, would you take a couple moments of silence? Just say, Lord, I'm giving you everything in my heart. Would you help me to recognize your preeminence? Would you make sure that I know that you're principal? Would you make sure that you are the one who ta- are taking my sin? Would you, would you cover me? Would you, would you allow me to live as though you are first place in my life? Father, we come to you and we are so thankful that we have a God as good as you who have given your son for us. That we would not only be with you, but we can recall your many mercies and your grace given to us. You're a good God. You're a good principal. You're a good supreme leader, not a dictator. Just looking to squash people, but... In the ways you've asked us to obey and the ways that you've said for us to, to follow your word and your spirit. These are good things. And so we pray that we would keep you in that place of being first. The beginning, the preeminent one. Who we look to to recognize that you will raise us from the dead on that day. But as well, you've already said that we are to live alive in you now. That in everything we look to you. And so Father... We pray that you'd accept our worship, not based on our own merit this morning, but Lord, based on the merit of Jesus Christ. We pray this in his name. Amen. We ask you if you're able to go ahead and stand up for for worship at this time. And we also want to make available you the opportunity to pray. We don't have an altar uh, that's here up at the front. But what I've asked this morning is for our deacons that are present to stand in the back. And if you have a prayer request and you want somebody to pray with you, go back in the back. They'd love to pray with you and uh, pray together for whatever the Lord might have on your heart this morning.